0: have no idea how happy it it is or how happy it feels to be able to hear the uh, Sports Animals opening montage because that breaks up the conversations that are just so monotonous before the show uh, that it leads us to just kind of getting into the flow of things. For example, hi, by the way, Josh Pacheco in for the guys. For example, for the last couple of hours, Keegan Oates has had this obsession with chocolate cake which I have zero idea why. Uh, it's three in the afternoon. Uh, save, your, save your snacks for before bedtime, like my grandparents would always say. Eat your dinner. You can have your Oreos at night before you go to bed. I don't understand this obsession with the chocolate cake thing, um, but it also goes back to his obsession with the chicken cutlet that I had yesterday with gravy. That um, he was so obsessed over that after he finished his work last night, he went and got one of his own. Uh, and it didn't look as good as mine. Sorry. But uh, <laughs> when when I hear the sports animals music come on, it normally means we can end all of those discussions for at least three hours. And then at six o'clock, it's going to pick up back up again uh, as I walk out the door and try not to hear about it for the rest of the day. Uh, Our Zephyr Insurance text line is 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. You can tweet the program at Sports Animals. You can get to me at Josh on the radio. Coming up, uh, we'll do what they call an animal rewind. Uh, Chris and Gary talked with the University of Hawaii men's basketball coach, Ron Gannat. You'll hear that coming up just after the bottom of the hour. A little bit later on, uh, we're going to start traversing our way through NFL camp. Uh, We'll go to San Francisco, where Jimmy Garoppolo is a member of the San Francisco 49ers, and that's just about as far as we can go with Jimmy Garoppolo. He is a member of the team. He is just as much a member of the San Francisco 49ers organization as the janitor who works overnights is just as much of a member of the San Francisco Giants organization. Uh, so, what does that mean for uh, uh, what, what does that mean for his trade value? Uh, we'll talk a little bit later on with uh, with our good friend from uh, from Niners Nation. Kyle Porter is going to join us coming up uh, a little bit later on in the show. You can uh, uh, interact with us throughout the program, but we'll start, of course, with what was fun today, which was well, University of Hawaii football camp getting underway today. I wish I could have gone this morning. Uh, that's something that I'm going to try to see if I can do uh, coming up next practice, but uh, university of Hawaii football camp in session. And uh, you'll, you'll hear some of the bites that uh, uh, Kanoa he had with some of the guys there at camp a little bit later on. We'll, we'll weave them in to the show. What do you take from day one of camp? Frankly, uh, you, you take very little, with the exception of, I think the groupings are going to be kind of interesting. That's, uh, I, I want to see how that plays out over the course of camp because we learned previously about the groupings, the ones against the ones. I mean, you have four different groupings uh, that will go out at different times. Uh, you know, Timmy Chang talked about it earlier today. It was uh, certainly a, a, a pandemic necessity that ended up kind of working out well and they've you know some things with the pandemic I think you just kind of uh kind of take away and and see if you can you can keep with you post pandemic although I don't know if we could really say this is post pandemic but um uh, you know we're still technically in it but you find ways and I think the the great coaches find ways to adapt from what they've been through and, and what 2020 through uh, 2022 has made you learn. And, you know, for example, how you go through camp, how you avoid, you know, two a days and how you try to get, you know, how to maximize reps. If you can take things like that away, implement them to your team. and, And Timmy's, um, being his own guy really for the first time leading this uh, this program, that if this is the kind of stuff that works, I mean, it, it's going to make him look like an, an absolute genius. That is, uh, you know, it's, it's very early to see those kinds of takeaways. You'll have to wait a couple of weeks to see it all play out. Uh, you know, one of the things I do like is that they've made it open to the public again? Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to trample on the the previous coaching staff. Enough has been done to that, but uh, Hawaii football really was not partially pandemic. I don't. I don't want to you know rip too much away, but there really didn't seem to be that much of the willingness to to be inclusive, pandemic or no pandemic, um, during that time. Uh, Timmy has realized, uh, head coach Timmy Chang has, has realized that, uh, he wants to, to see this open up, to see people, you know, embrace this program and, and seeing it open. As long as you don't take photos and you don't take videos and you don't ruin it for everybody, then, uh, you'll, you'll have a good experience and, uh, you'll get to learn a little bit more about this team. So, you know, day one, all right, uh... You know, we see everybody kind of back in. we'll see everybody kind of go through the routine. We'll learn a little bit more. Probably I, I think within the next week is when you start to see things, uh, start to solidify. I think in some key position groups and we'll update you as we go forward. There were a couple things that did come across the quote unquote wire old school reference for those that uh, have followed sports for a long time. The old AP wire, uh, Jeff Reinbold might be heading back to University of Hawaii football. Uh, this is according to the Honolulu Star Advertiser, Stephen Uh Jeff Reinbold could potentially be joining the program uh, as director of player development. And uh, you know, Coach has been living on the Big Island for, for a, a while. I mean, he has been doing everything from uh, NFL analyst work on Sky Sports in the U.K., he has been – he's got a podcast. I think he, uh, he's he been working with Major League Football, too, recently. Uh, I know he did something with Jerry Glanville uh, not that long ago. He's been just kind of all over the place. And um, I'm a little bummed because we were starting to work something out where during the NFL season, because he is a, a – or has been an NFL analyst, I don't know if that's going to change – but we were starting to work something out where we were going to get Coach Bold weekly to talk about the NFL because that's what he that's kind of what he does for a living, whether he's uh, he, he's overseas or he is at home in the Puna district on Hawaii Island. Uh, that might end up not happening if he takes on the director of, uh, of player personnel job. Uh, but you've seen You've probably seen him on social media. He's seen former players. He has uh, the the brotherhood has always been very close to him. Uh, even before the brotherhood was a slogan that was brought up, going back to last January, uh, he's always kind of had that close to him. And if, if that is the case, if Stephen Sy uh, is hearing accurately, then uh, I, I'm I'm excited for him. Uh, one thing that coach Timmy Chang is mixed in, I think in his coaching staff, he has um he's mixed in a, a little bit of, you know, new faces for for fans to get to know in the coaching staff. Familiar faces that are, you know, growing into roles or back into roles they belong being in. Think of um uh, Abel for example. Uh and you heard the interview that that Canola had with him yesterday, and and individuals—if this isn't—if in, this is indeed the case, individuals who have deep and strong ties to Hawaii football, that just they they run so strong, uh, you always find a way to, to to bring them back. And if that's the case, and if you've got Coach Reinbold coming back into the fold. Uh, I think that'd be really cool. So still a lot of stuff that you know we're seeing outside of just what is on the field that uh, that's still making news around this Hawaii program as we get ready for Vanderbilt. Gary Dickman was was just here a little while ago uh, before we got in the air and, and he brought up a good point this morning that I wanted to, to, to touch on, which is scheduling. And And the reason why I wanted to touch on it was, what Hawaii has right now, schedule-wise, I think is is uh, with Vanderbilt later, you got you got Stanford and Oregon on the schedule, so on and so forth. But um, what I'm kind of interested in is something Gary said. As conferences start to align a little bit, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more coming up in the next segment, as conferences start to get a little bit bigger, um, you know. These super conference conversation. How much of a need is there for Hawaii to be on the schedules? And and Gary is right. Um, you want conferences to still want to play you. You want conferences to still schedule an, uh, enough of these non conference games so that a. And I, I I hate to put it this way. But, um, you know, those body bag games that people talk about all the time? You still have them. Uh, You are part of, uh, you know, a a group of schools in the group of five that you could use any extra sort of, uh, uh, any extra sort of revenue you can get that will help your athletic department. I think you want that. So if that means... You are going to Oregon, even if it's a one-off, you want to keep those games. You want Oregon, UCLA, you want Washington, you want Michigan, you want them on your schedules. I'm a little concerned, based on college football playoff and what everybody's talking about, and and, and honestly, the advent of one more thing that has become you know, even even more relevant in weeks zero and one, that could lead you to less of that. I'll explain what that is coming up uh, in just a little while. And yeah, a little bit more on conference realignment because we've learned a little bit on some reporting on where uh, the Big Ten might be looking at and uh what that could mean for example the mountain west uh if the pac-12 continues to dissolve what is there for the mountain west to work with so uh that is still to come here on the program sports center update with Kigen Ota coming up in just a little bit an update on the subway series which is good uh mets are up on the new york yankees right now aaron judge is at the plate it's a a big moment there in the seventh inning And the New York Yankees look vulnerable as we get toward the trade deadline. And there is interesting, well, I wouldn't call it trade deadline news, uh, but in Major League Baseball, one player's value just hit just a nosedive. Like the stock market has never seen something nosedive so hard. Uh, We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on in the program if you missed chris and gary with university of hawaii men's basketball coach iran ganat that coming up in less than 15 minutes but i I wanted to build a little bit on on what gary dickman was talking about earlier today uh with conference alignment and and uh seeing conferences get bigger the need for scheduling is there still a need for scheduling schools like Hawaii or scheduling FCS schools if you are an Oregon or a Stanford. Um, I don't know that I'm worried so much about the conference alignment and how that would uh, impact your scheduling because I think every school wants the ability to branch out and and schedule outside. And honestly, there are still some schools – that just don't want to schedule super tough. They need a and I, I don't don't take this the wrong way, uh, but they need a cupcake or two on their schedule. Because if their conference is strong enough, then you know, they can get away with uh one or two powder puffs in their non conference and you know they'll be okay. I mean, just see Alabama. Alabama would not want to change anything uh, with what its, uh, what its schedule looks like because yeah, Alabama's gonna play uh, some very difficult teams in the SEC every single year. But you know what, they also have to find that balance. And you know where that balance comes from? Because yeah, I mean, you gotta go through Tennessee and you've got Texas non-conference, and you've got LSU, and you've got Auburn, and you've got Ole Miss. But you know how you balance that out and still get to a college football playoff semifinal? It's by playing Austin P and Utah State and Louisiana Monroe. And for all the people that say, well, you know, that's weak. I mean it still gets them to a college football playoff semifinal there's a need for it we'll see how how much of a need there still is for it um, you know I think in the next couple of years once we get to 2025 new television contracts all that stuff the the kinds of events that could hurt the group of fives in the FCSs are what are you know what you know a lot of people call these kickoff games uh, we've been seeing a lot of these kickoff classics that take place across different parts of the country. We've seen them in Las Vegas. We've seen them in Florida. Uh, we have seen them in uh, Louisiana. We have we have seen them all over the place. And really, they're good excuses for neutral site games. They're good excuses for sponsorships. Uh, you know, they don't really have to have much more meaning than that. But they're just good excuses to have an excuse for things. Uh, for example, I see uh, going down the line, when I look at, at week one, you know, I, I've got a uh, – in fact, I, I just had it in front of me a moment ago. You have uh, one of those those kinds of games in, in Atlanta. Uh, Clemson and Georgia Tech is – it's not a Georgia Tech home game, it's like one of those kickoff classics. LSU's playing Florida State. It's not an LSU home game. They're playing at the Caesars Superdome. It is one of those kickoff classics. Uh, they do a lot of those. And it's it, because college football is such a, a, a big business, it is happening more and more and more and more. Georgia. Georgia's playing Oregon at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. That's not a Georgia home game. That's a kickoff classic game. The more of those kinds of games that you have, uh, the less and less it's necessary for some of those big schools to schedule some of the little guys because that means for them, hey, um, we'll we'll play a decently good team, and we'll get national television exposure, and uh, we get some sponsorship money behind it, and we're good. Those, to me, are the the bigger impacts, potentially, to uh, Hawaii having teams on a schedule every year, like a Stanford and an Oregon and a, and a Vanderbilt and so on, uh, where you start to worry when you see a lot of those happen that you get less of them and more of the Western Kentuckys and uh, more of the Duquesnes. Because they're not going to be involved in any of those big classic type games. And all the have-nots and the left-outs are going to be put in that, that little area. and They'll all have to go and play themselves and figure out opportunities to play themselves. By the way, um, I'm going to give you an upset special in week one of the college football season. I'm just going to give it to you like over a month early. Keegan, uh, lock this in. Make sure everybody knows it. Upset special, week one, Saturday, September 3rd. I've got South Dakota State winning at Iowa. Mark it down. Book it. It's it's free because I ain't putting money on it. Uh, But go ahead and book it. South Dakota State at Iowa. Upset win. Make that your Appalachian State over Michigan. Uh, That's going to happen in week one. And Kirk Ferentz will probably retire at the end of the year if that happens. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can send us your tweets uh, at Sports Animals and at Josh on the radio. A little bit later on, uh, where college college football alignment could potentially be going and the college football playoff, because I'm thinking back to... Uh, something that Commissioner Craig Thompson said to us last week at Mountain West Media Days in uh, in Las Vegas and where it seems to be catching wind, seeing what the Big Ten's commissioner has said about it, saw the Sun Belt commissioner say something about it, the potential for the future college football playoff format. That coming up in just a little while. Keegan, by the way, I saw you go wow in the other room after uh after I made that South Dakota state upset pick of the century of the week are you are you saying that that is certifiably crazy or are you are you you going along with that i was I was interested in watching your um reaction to that
1: it's bold. it's very bold. it's
0: bold, huh? I mean that's my reaction it's bold. look, um people don't pay me to be vanilla uh on this radio show. I am not paid. To uh, I'm not paid to serve you uh, a cake with vanilla frosting. I am uh, I am here to serve you a vanilla cake uh, with not just the vanilla frosting, but the sprinkles. Um, mix in a little cake batter on that. Uh, i I'm, I'm not here to give you a plain cake. I'm here to give you the tastiest cake you can possibly get. And uh, if you can't handle that cake. Then I don't know what to tell you. That is what I'm here for. Uh, South Dakota State, by the way, you know they're not North Dakota State, but they are good. <laughs> uh, but mark it down, book it. South Dakota State in uh, in in Iowa. I think uh, I think the Jackrabbits are going to win it. Leroy says, "Love North and South Dakota teams." There is nothing to hate about North and South Dakota teams. Uh, and Texter uh, from the 722, do you know their nickname? Yeah, I just gave it to you. It's the Jackrabbits. The team that's going to beat Iowa. Yeah, the Jackrabbits. That's who they are. Uh, and I think they also said something else to that, saying, uh, I saw them play HPU in men's basketball, Blaze Dull Arena, about 20 years ago. Man, college basketball at the the Dell Arena twenty years ago. Now you get no college basketball at the Blaze Dell Arena. Uh, but South Dakota State is uh, is is certainly, you know, in, when it comes to FCS football, South Dakota State's one of those teams you have to watch every year, just because I think they are um, they're always competitive. And and you know, look every every year you're going to have a couple of FCS schools that will um, that will win. A, uh, they'll they'll win a game over uh, an FBS opponent. And every year, you don't want to be that FBS school who loses one of those games, right? You want to be the one that doesn't get burned. I still hear people bringing up uh, sad memories of the past on that. But when it's not your team... Like, I'm willing to bet when it was Appalachian State who beat Michigan, how many people were rooting so hard for Appalachian State. And that any time, and I'll I'll be honest, if there's a close game between an FCS and an FBS school, five minutes to go, fourth quarter, FCS school, the chance to win, you know, the, you could have Georgia Tech and Clemson on, on your TV, and I will easily turn that game off. To go see what's happening with that FCS school to see if they can pull pull away with it, and maybe it's because I, you know, my broadcasting background is more smaller school. Going back to my time with UH Hilo, that I have a little more of affinity for the smaller school, the the FCS school. Um, but in football, when it isn't always the ability that the smallest can beat the biggest, when it happens and when it has the chance to happen. Man, you go and jump and just look at it, and see if it can happen. And uh, and, and and that's that's why I would want to see that any day of the week. South Dakota State, book it. Uh, if you missed the conversation with Iran Ganat that Chris and Gary had, you'll hear that next. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN, Honolulu. We have hit a uh, apparently degenerate nerve. Uh, over the last ten minutes or so, so much so that we're gonna re- we're gonna rate our degenerativeness coming up in the final segment of this hour on how crazy we're willing to go on FCS upsets in Week One. Well, I guess we didn't we didn't narrow it to Week One. We just said in general. Um, but we're we're gonna we're gonna touch that nerve a little bit to see if if we've gone certifiably cuckoo. Uh, or if, er, there's, a, there's a good reason for what we're doing. That coming up, if you missed Iran Gannat with uh, the Sports Animals earlier this morning, not to fear, uh, we do things every once in a while Call the Animal Rewind. And uh, Iran was on with the guys earlier this morning on the Bobby Curran Show.
2: Yesterday we talked about the brackets. We see it official. What were your thoughts when you saw about your team playing Pepperdine and the other matchups in the Diamond Head?
3: Oh, anytime you hear the bracket announced, you know, the season's around the corner. So first, it's the excitement about that. But, you know, the is a great event, uh, one of the great tournaments in the country, competitive fields. Um, obviously, Pepperdine's been a good program for a long time. You know, talking to, knowing the league very well, talking to people in the league. They had a really young team, and all those guys are back. So just excited about, you know, the challenge who we're opening up with and, and the entire bracket. And, and, and obviously, again, the season being around the corner
2: believe it's 103 days before the regular season starts for college basketball. I've seen that countdown. And, you know, some of the other schools coming in for that tournament, you know, they've been NCAA teams over the last three, four, five years, including Utah State, SMU, and even Iona with Rick Pitino coming back.
3: Yeah, and, and, and Washington State obviously was in the, I believe, NIT Final Four, and, and a lot of the teams and a lot of the coaches, we've been on the road for the last couple of months, so we all know, who's been in the field. We didn't know the bracket yet, uh, but everybody's been, you know, as always with the Diamond Head, ESPN does such a great job and it's such a great venue during such a great time. But it's always been competitive, continue to be competitive, and, and that's kind of what you want going into league play.
2: I want to pass along a question a listener just texted us a few minutes ago. They were just wondering if there's an update on the status of Juan Munoz with the injury he had last year missing the season. Is he able to scrimmage with everybody? Is he healthy right now?
3: He's doing great. I mean, I said Samuta some, some and Juan, you know, unfortunately we didn't have him last year. The good thing is we'll have him this year. And the young guys were thrown in the fire in their absence. But uh, you know, at the end of October, they both had successful surgeries. Samuta on the back, um, Juan on the ACL and, you know, uh, Samuta is pretty much 100. He's a little ahead because of the length of recovery. But, you know, Juan's at, uh, going according to plan, maybe slightly ahead of plan. He's been in full going workouts other than some contact. He'll be uh, supposed to be clear for a lot of that at the end of August. And so, but, you know, it's a good time where we can be overly smart about it. But he looks great. Smitha looks great. They're on top of everything they can do to the best of their ability and they're moving according to court plan. So it's just awesome to see him out there.
2: I know it's definitely too soon to tell for sure, but and you've done this in the past. You played and probably started two point guards at the same time. But if Munoz, Munoz is healthy enough and maybe can get that starting spot, would you maybe start he, he and Noel Coleman both in the backcourt?
3: Yeah, that's what's great. Right now, we have really good competition for spots. I think uh, playing multiple guys that can make decisions, whether it's point guard play. As you know, we played through our foreman at times. Kamaka has a great decision making at the four spot and the experience. So, you know, we've had like two guys go down each of the last four years, which is crazy to say. But at times, it's impacted our ability to play two guards. I remember Ahmed I Ali went out, and then obviously last year, Juan Munoz. And so, Um, We have a lot of guys, and Noel obviously has become a scorer, but he's still got some of that in him as well. So, you know, the the ability to play two and sometimes three guys even together, depending on if we have the size to do that, uh, that's still kind of the direction we'd like to be in if we stay healthy.
2: Hawaii basketball coach Ron Gannat joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. The The texter also wants to know if there are any late signees possibly able to sign as a grad transfer. Do you have any scholarships left at this time?
3: Yeah, there, I mean, we still uh, have a short list of a couple guys, and there's a chance we bring in someone before school starts on August 22nd for sure.
2: I know you, you mentioned school starts later on in August, and I know seeing the videos and the picture, the camps have been very successful. You've got another camp coming up, I believe, next week. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that?
3: No, just having camps has been great. You know, we, we hit some record-breaking numbers before COVID. We haven't been able to have camps for the last couple of years and then brought it back uh, this summer. The first two have been awesome. Um, you know, our first or second year here, we brought in this August camp, which has been one of the most successful ones. So, August 2nd to 5th, it's a great time. You'll learn a lot. You'll get better during the camp. You'll have some things you can take home with you. Um, our staff will be around. In this case, you know, we've always had our guys around, but all our guys will actually be around uh, because they're here, obviously, just finishing up right now, week five of summer workouts. So, like i said great time meet new friends great relationships and, and and obviously getting back to the trend of having these camps every year we added a team camp this year i think we might add another camp in the future but we had to get these back and going again it's been awesome uh, again august 2nd to 5th call the basketball office dominic jury 808-956-6501 you can visit us at the website uh, we're looking to finish up the camp season with the bang and uh, we're, like I said, it's been it's been fun, and and looking forward to this last one.
2: All the information on the website, and you heard the phone number and the website if you want to register for the camp. What what is some of the interaction like between some of these youngsters and the players? What have you noticed about some of the things they talk about and what these kids have learned?
3: Oh, they got great questions. We have so many different age groups. Um, you know, just having them around each other, the kids having them around our staff, having them around the guys. Um, as you know, we have such a great community here. We have great kids here, and and one of the great things, as you you know, for us, continuity, being here for a bit, you know, to see these guys, uh, these kids, you know, boys and girls, see them grow, get better over the years. You know, that's what's tough. With, you know, you get to see that every year, but then we hadn't had to have camps for a couple years, and some of these people, some of these kids, if we hadn't been able to see them at games, we hadn't seen them in two or three years. So just rekindling those relationships and, and getting back into the trend because these kids do develop bonds whether it's with our staff our, our our players or even with each other over the years so i'm just really pumped i can't say obviously you can hear it but how excited i am to have the camps going again and and, and building it back for the future
2: back to normalcy hopefully well one more question i was going to wonder what your thoughts are we talk about football so much with conference realignment what are your thoughts on what you've seen lately
3: it's been, it's been uh, interesting several years, obviously, in, in terms of the changes that have happened in the landscape of Division One athletics. I mean, I could have a long-winded answer to that because we've kind of made this full transformation of professional sports. You're seeing realignment. Um, and, again, obviously everybody recovered from some of this COVID stretch as well. So at the end of the day, it, it, you're kind of sitting there studying it. Um, and then nav- you, you, at the end of the day, you have to navigate – all of us, we have to navigate how to or figure out how to navigate through this period with what's best for where you're at. And so, there's a great challenge to it. Um, there's still a lot of changes going on, whether it's realignment, new rules. Um, but I'm looking forward to the challenge. I think we have a we'll figure out how it can all work and work well for us here in Hawaii.
2: Looking forward to the season starting not that far away. And again, the camps August 2nd through all, August 5th, all the information at hawaiiathletics.com. Or Ron, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. We hope to keep in touch.
3: As always, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
2: Good to have uh, Hawaii's men's basketball coach,
0: uh, on the show earlier this morning. If you missed it again, uh, you can catch it on demand, uh, at ESPN, Honolulu.com. And also on the sideline Hawaii app, of course, uh, the, the few things remaining on the schedule, the uh, actual announcement of the Rainbow Classic, we know the teams as uh, they were uh, leaked out. I think it was by Rocco Miller from, uh, from Bracketology.org. I think he was the one that leaked it out in um, the actual times and, and dates. We believe it's a, a Friday, Saturday, Monday event for the, uh, for the Rainbow Classic to open up the season. Uh, expect a few other home games. I, I think you could expect you might see some division, some of the Division two schools on island potentially there. Um, and then my understanding is there may be one uh, non-conference road game possibly in the mix, kind of similar to last year. Uh, you may recall when Hawaii played ar- around Thanksgiving in Las Vegas and then turned around after those two games at the Orleans Arena and uh, went to Santa Clara. To take on the Broncos out of the West Coast Conference, potentially something similar to that. We we don't know uh, that could be coming down very soon. Uh, but I remember when we talked to Rod about a month ago, you know, he had mentioned he made a, a very good point. Most teams still haven't put out their schedules. A lot of schools right now have only put out non-conference schedules. Uh, one site that I follow religiously, with the exception of getting alerts from them, I, I save that for Schefter. Um, is no. I save it for Woj, not Schefter. Is uh, the D one docket? And every time a school comes out with a uh, uh, with their schedule, they put it out there and they mention how many schools have have done it. And so far, the amount of schools. What are we? July, August, September, October. We're about three and a half months away from the start of the season. 50 schools out of 363 have released, at the very least, their uh, their, their non-conference schedule. Uh, but there's still plenty more to go, and there's still a lot of schedule maneuvering uh, going along right now.
2: Just take those
0: old to got a look at Sports Center coming up at the top of the hour. Keegan Oates has got that on uh, kind of a quiet Wednesday night in Major League Baseball. With a few games going on, uh, getaway day for some teams, so you got a lot of matinee games in the schedule. Don't tell me, don't remind me about what happened in the San Francisco Giants today. We don't need to talk about it. It's not in the show rundown. We're gonna just act like it never happened. because it hasn't happened for decades what what ultimately happened today. Um, for whatever reason, we I gave you an FCS pick to To lock in, and all of a sudden now, I think we have. I don't want to call it a competition, but I think we kind of want to see. Uh, I, I'm not a I'm not a gambler. First off, by the way, I, I don't I don't bet on sports. Um, I don't look. I want to keep my money, not lose it. So uh, I'm I'm not, and I know Keegan, you're not either. Uh, so keep in mind as we go across this segment. This is like the cashless degeneration of this topic. But we're kind of trying to figure out here, uh, thinking about FCS upsets, which one of us is the worst degenerate of thinking about the FCS upset to cash in? I gave you mine, which was uh, Iowa losing to, to South Dakota State Losing to the Jackrabbits. Uh, why? Because you know what? FCS football in, in the Dakotas, uh, very good. Uh, underrated because most people don't watch it. But you should. And so uh, anytime we can give love and give credit to what uh, what they do there in the Dakotas, we should. Iowa was a 10-win team last year. I say uh, they'll be 0-1 to start the year. When they take on uh, South Dakota State, uh, Keegan, you gave me several, but I want you to give me one. Give me the one that you believe in, uh, and we'll we'll go through the the honorable mentions after. Give me the one FCS over FBS team that you believe in, and I want to rank it on the degenerate scale from uh, let's let's do since we randomly brought up food earlier in the show from uh, from mild to Ghost pepper hot. What what is your degenerate FCS over FBS pick?
1: Uh, well, I have uh my for one sure. Is well, that's all I want is one. UC Davis over Cal Berkeley. Woo!
0: UC Davis over Cal. Yep. You you want it to be so much of an upset that you won't even call Cal Cal. You'll call them by the name of the school that the non-athletes call them, uh, which is Cal Berkeley. Because all the athletes just say, hey, we're going to Cal. All um,
1: right, all right. UC Davis over <laughs> Cal.
0: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm helping you make your point <laughs> as to why why you're calling it such an upset. Because you don't want to refer to them as the athletic school. Nope. I get it. Um, this would be an, an even bigger upset because UC Davis, athletically, they don't put much into their athletic department. They really don't. Um, I was just there baseball was it was it April and there I don't I don't know whatever happened to it. it it must be fine but there was a conversation of about like the students not wanting to pay the student athletic fee which funds a majority of the actual athletic department at UC Davis and it must have gotten shot down but there was this worry that maybe UC Davis's athletic department could fall apart if you don't have the student fees that help to prop up the athletic department. It must be fine. Uh, they do play at Cal. It is a week one game. Uh, let me just ask, though, why? Before, before I, I grade this on the hot sauce scale of degeneration, why do you have UC Davis over, as you call them, Cal Berkeley.
1: Okay, in recent, the reason why is that if you look at their schedule in recent years, they have played some FBS teams close, and one of them is San Jose State, who Hawaii you know, who Hawaii plays locally, right. right right? So, they played them close and actually beat San Jose State in that year that they played them, 44 to 38. So, you go by that, and they also had a pretty decent year last year as well. Now, I don't know much about the roster, obviously. I'm not going to look <laughs> that in-depth into it, but what I'm hoping is that with Cal not really with Berkeley, not really doing all that well in football. Like they're not very prominent in football. Like from what I remember uh-huh. in recent years, they haven't you're right. They're right, you're right. I mean, they haven't uh, been in near anywhere near the Pac-12 championship game. Nowhere close. So I'm saying maybe one team is on an upslope. Maybe one team is on, on a, on a downslope. slope Berkeley's going to go ahead and lose their footing on this. They're going to get caught off guard. I think UC Davis wins this. So, okay. Translation,
0: you made this pretty bold, degenerate prediction without doing any homework is what you're saying. No, 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 no. I <laughs> I'm did joking. Some homework. You did some. You just don't know who's on the team. Um, but here, let me help you on, on, your, uh, on your pick before I tell you how certifiably insane this is. Um, UC Davis does actually have a win over an FBS team last year. They beat Tulsa last year. And Tulsa out of the American. Tulsa last year actually um, did go to a bowl game. They played in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, in which they beat Old Dominion, who is new to the FBS. But Tulsa was seven and six last year, and UC Davis won in Tulsa uh, by the final score of nineteen to seventeen. So that helps to kind of normalize the uh, the the degenerate pick. That, that you have brought to the table. Um, on the scale of whether this is a craziness pick or if this is uh, one that maybe you, you you might feel good about, let me also remind you, uh, they played in 2019, both Cal and, and, and UC Davis, and, well, Cal won that in Berkeley, 27 to 13, that was to open the season. Um... This isn't let's let's this isn't ghost pepper hot, and this isn't uh, this isn't mild. I'll call this. I'll I'll call this Taco Bell hot sauce, degeneration. Oh, we're having a uh, you don't get the show moment. Thanks, Poppy. We're we're having that right now. Uh, based on uh, just, we're just having fun over. Uh, Being two people who don't bet on sports just because, you know, A, I like keeping my money, and B, um, I work in radio. I need my money. Uh, (laughs) I need my money to make a living. It's what we do. And um, we just randomly just threw out, I I threw out my lock for the FCS over the FBS. What FCS team would I take uh, to beat an FBS team? Uh, I gave you South Dakota State over Iowa Week One. Uh, I I said lock it, and I asked Keegan for his. Uh, he went with UC Davis over Cal in uh, in Week One, which by the way, UC Davis beat Tulsa last year. UC Davis, by the way, is a couple of of uh, couple of ties. One, there is a Hawaii player on that on that UC Davis team. A uh, uh, Kaneohe, alum? I can't, oh, I had it on my screen, totally lost it, but there is a Hawaii native who I think went to UCLA is what it was and then uh, has found his way, oh yeah, uh, Kaneohe, uh, not a Kaneohe alum, uh, went to Servite High School, uh, hometown of Kaneohe, went to UCLA, he's a grad student now at UC Davis, Jay Smalley, uh, who I guess is uh, he's, he's got his MBA, uh, but he's finishing up there at UC Davis. Um, but everybody knows Dan Hawkins because Dan Hawkins used to coach at Boise State. And uh, Dan Hawkins hired his son as offensive coordinator, Cody Hawkins. I don't hear anybody complaining about nepotism. I don't, I don't hear that there there, Davis, California. Then again, I do wonder how many people in Davis, California realize that UC Davis has a football team. Uh, that, that said... The the you-don't-get-the-show-moments texter from the 772. LOL, you need to learn your peppers. Between mild and ghost pepper, I'll call this Taco Bell hot. Look, I don't know all the peppers in the world. I just put sauce on my food and eat it, seeing how hot it is. I don't study food. I eat food. So I'm not going to name you pepper for pepper but I'm going from mild to ghost pepper hot I'm going by by the hot scale I'm going Taco Bell hot not and not and not Taco Bell mild uh Taco Bell hot which aka means it's not all that hot uh from my scale it's okay it's like a mild that's why I call it Taco Bell hot uh that's where I'd put yours Keegan it's I, it's it's not a bad uh, it's not a bad FCS over FBS take. Honorable mention though, you did give me a certifiably crazy one that involved San Jose State. You wanna you wanna tell the audience which
1: one you were willing to throw out if just I, a little while ago? If I can, yes. Uh, Portland State over San Jose State. It was Shh. it was one of two. It was one of the two Mountain West teams. Portland State over Fresno or Sa- over San Jose State or Cal Poly over Fresno State
0: um both are borderline Ghost pepper on the scale a Fresno State's probably going to be a nine to ten win team this year Cal Poly I, I don't want to take anything away from Cal Poly FCS program um not a bad program at all um they have what a nine thousand ten thousand seat venue there in San Luis Obispo uh nice facility that's not a bad one I'll I'll you know, Cal Poly may be competitive, but Fresno State offensively is just stacked this year. So um, that I'm putting near the near the Ghost Pepper scale. The um, San was it San Jose State, Portland, and Portland State?
1: State, yeah. And look, we're just having fun here. We are,
0: as 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 someone texted in, as uh for for entertainment purposes only. Texted from the seven eight zero warn your followers that if you follow this pick be prepared to lose all your money which is why we say we don't put any money on it because uh, we know better
1: and it's and it's just for fun <laughs>
0: exactly for entertainment purposes only is uh, is is what they say in the disclaimer um that one is not as as crazy i'll call i'll call that the um the habanero pick Going with uh, with with Portland State over over San Jose State. The only reason why I'm I'm going a little f- down on the scale on that is because San Jose State I think is a, a question mark Mountain West team this year. A as much as we saw Chevin Cordero at Mountain West Media Day, it was good to see him. Um, I don't know how much he's going to be used. We don't know if he's won the job. Although I do think it is telling that he's there. But Brent Brennan would not commit to him being the starting quarterback there at San Jose State, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep that, um, I'm going to keep that kind of contained. But he is not, and it's nothing against Chevin. He is not the difference between San Jose State being seven and six, and San Jose State being ten and three. He's he is not the difference. Um, I think the difference there is going to be how good that defense is. Uh, they have a co-defensive player of the year in the conference. I think San Jose State wins and loses games based on defensive effort, not based on whether Chevin Cordero is the starting quarterback or if he is the starting quarterback, how much he how productive he is. I don't know how well he's going to fit there um, on the field, and I, you know, I, I hear people a lot of times saying, "Well, he's going to go there. He's he's going to be really, really, really good." And I temper that not because of what I've seen here. I mean, look, Chevin Cordero here was fun to watch. It is never a given that when a quarterback transfers to another place with the talent that they possess naturally that they are a guarantee to have results let's take let's take homer bias out of it for a second okay um we can we can root for him all we want um but let, let's take let's take rooting out of the picture i don't know how well he will do at san jose state i don't care about Allegiances. That is an offense that brought in a Nick Starkle. Uh, Just what last year they cycled through a couple of quarterbacks. They had a running, you know, Nash was a uh, more of a part-time quarterback. uh, You know, part-time wide receiver when he was at the helm. Starkle uh, last year, man, what what do I recall with Starkle a year ago? after being at Texas A&M and, and, and at Arkansas. Uh, Starkle a year ago, what? Uh, he had nine touchdowns to seven interceptions, and he threw for 1,600 yards. I mean, he was okay. I'm always We're always reminded the same things that were said about Shevin, oh, he's too small. I mean, I I know some people have said, well, he looks like he's grown. I mean, I stood next to him at at Mountain West Media Day, and I'm not sure that he's grown. Um, I think he's grown wiser. I think he has uh, grown as a competitor. I don't know that he's grown to the point where he is a different quarterback uh, at, at San Jose State where we're talking about all conference type. I don't know this is a conference that might actually be kind of devoid of, of all conference-type quarterbacks outside of, a, a, you know, Hainer at Fresno and, and you know, Bachmeyer at Boise State. But for those that think, okay, he goes to San Jose State, all of a sudden San Jose State's a totally different team, I don't know about that. So, you know, that, that's on a smaller scale. I, I'm not sure that San Jose State is as successful as, uh, you know, maybe they were a couple of years ago. You know, last year, and I, and I remember um, Brent Brennan telling us this a year ago, or, or not a year ago, uh, last week, saying that, you know, last year was kind of a disappointment. This year for San Jose State, you mentioned Portland State. That's a Thursday night game. I know they've been doing some renovations to CEFCU Stadium, so there's some some excitement there. Um, but I'm looking at their non-conference because remember uh, we see them, Hawaii sees them, the final weekend of the year um, in San Jose, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I'm looking at their non-conference. Portland State should be a win. I'm not. I'm not going to go all out on that upset pick. Auburn will be a loss. Uh, Western Michigan, they have in San Jose and then the other one, they go to New Mexico state because we all do, uh, they go to New Mexico state. I would imagine that that game is a win for San Jose state. So that's what uh, I I think at worst, they're two and two out of conference at best. They're, they're three and one, the Western Michigan game, I think is the, the biggest toss up. And then I look at their schedule over the course of the season. San Jose State's road, I think, in the in the West Division. Listen to where this road goes through outside of what they have within the West Division. Their Mountain Division opponents, probably the lightest slate of most teams in the conference. Um, at Wyoming, which will be tough, but Wyoming, what bottom three in the Mountain Division? They've got uh, Colorado State, which, if I'm not mistaken, what was that, bottom three mountain division? And then they've got Utah State, which I believe was third in the mountain division in the preseason uh, preseason projections. They don't have Boise. They don't have Air Force. I mean, that is... Um, that's a pretty easy road outside of your own division. They have three, four, and five in the Mountain West Mountain Division. The only te- the only other team they don't have out of the Mountain Division is New Mexico, which they are projected to be the worst team in the Mountain West, and it's not close. Um, and of those teams, Utah State, at Utah State, Colorado State at home, Wyoming on the road. Um that's going to be difficult. That's two road difficult road games, but outside of that, I mean that's a pretty advantageous conference schedule. Top 3 in or top 2 in your division, San Diego State, Fresno State, those are road games. That is those are two big tests for San Jose State right there. Forget anything in the Mountain Division. They get they get the cupcake part of that outside of not having New Mexico. Um, Fresno at Fresno State, and at San Diego State at Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, those will be uh, will will be different difference maker types of games. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at ninety two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of our hotline. Uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Sports Animals. You can get to me. At Josh on the radio, we were uh, we we're, were kind of branching off of what we were talking about our uh, our our non money spending entertainment only degenerate FCS over FBS picks, and uh, and and that's where we landed. One of us with UC Davis, coached by Dan Hawkins, and uh, the other one being me, going with uh, with South Dakota State. Leroy texts in. Looked over the schedule, but do not know much about FCS teams. I follow the Dakotas because my uncle played guard for North Dakota at 150 pounds, 145 at Maui High, great athlete, coached at Kailua and Kahuku. Who's your uncle, Leroy? Tell us where your uncle is. Um, Would love to know a little bit more about uh, what it's like playing football in the Dakotas, where I'm sure uh, it's, it's an assumption, I realize. Uh, but I'm sure in the Dakotas, those teams, North Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, those are like pro teams there. Those are parties. And in fact, I mean, we've seen it. When when the FCS championship games are on television, when they put them on ESPN or on ESPN+, Plus, when they're on television, you should see the scenes... The sights, the throngs of people, who are having fun around football in the Dakotas, it looks like so much fun, like the 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 kind of a place you'd want to be, frankly, and uh, that's the kind of party you want to have every week. That's what you want to see Hawaii bring back. Uh, is is that kind of a party every week around its product? Uh, when we come back, staying with uh, college football, we're hearing more conference commissioners who are being asked about the college football playoff after 2025. I'm thinking a lot about Craig Thompson, why it all matters. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Uh walk-off there at City Field. Mets over the Yankees 3-2. Uh, walk-off RBI single, and uh, New York, that would be uh, the Mets. They've taken the, uh, the, the the two games in that series from the Yankees. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's a two-game series that the Mets just swept. Wow. Uh, incredible to see how that's happened. And, frankly, uh, as we get the all-star, uh, the, the hangover from the all-star break is gone. The trade deadline's now, what, seven days away, I think it is, and maybe even less than that. That uh this brings out some real, real concerns for uh uh you know for the New York Yankees. Yeah, you still got the best record in the American League East, but they're kind of playing average ball right now, if you think about it. Keep in mind as well, um Giancarlo Stanton. Is on the DL. They just lost, I think it was Michael King. He may not be back this year. Their bullpen is kind of shot right now. What, what is that, Keegan?
1: They're two and five since the All Star break.
0: Yeah, two and five since the All Star break. Not a good time to be scuffling as they are. They don't look like uh, a team that is one of the best in the American League. And, and we had this conversation with Casey Stern. If you missed it yesterday, uh, it's on the sideline Hawaii app in the uh, the best of the show uh, or the sports animals on demand. In case you missed it, and, and part of that conversation was the fact that um, this is the toughest time to manage. You've got this massive, massive lead in the American League East, and you know the expectations always been in New York. It's you've got to win a ring, and they've been well on their way there. But watching them play right now, being two and five. Since the All-Star break, it almost looks like it's nothing like that. And that is, uh, that's kind of the scary part. If you're Brian Cashman and if you're Aaron Boone, specifically Brian Cashman, I mean, Aaron Boone can only do so much at this point. Um, If you're Brian Cashman, you must win the trade deadline. You must make big moves, which means if you've got to go and get Andrew Benatendi, even though, He's not vaccinated, which means uh, he's not going to Toronto, which could be a problem uh, if you've got series remaining north of the border because they won't let you go if you're not vaccinated. um, You got to make that move. You got to make that move. You need a bullpen arm. You got to get a bullpen arm. Uh, you got to get a starting pitcher. Uh, you You cannot come up empty. That's the gist of what I'm saying. You can't come up empty between now and the trade deadline. And if you do, and the Yankees don't win a World Series, Cashman's job is, is as good as done. And and Aaron Boone's job could very well go with it, um, even though I think he's done a a fine job given the circumstances. But, uh, uh, man, it, to see the Mets actually playing well right now, 61-37 and 37 are the New York Mets, best in the National League East. And uh, out-clutching the Yankees, frankly, in these two games it's pretty astonishing to see it is the sports animals i'm josh pacheco i see you on the phones we'll get to you in a moment at 808-296-1420 you can text us via the zephyr insurance text line at 808-296-1420 you can call us at 808-296-1420 and you can tweet us uh you can tweet us at sports animals you can get to me directly uh i am at josh on the radio Let's uh, let's say hi to John, who is a Cubs fan, who, who probably cried yesterday watching Wilson Contreras with his final at bats at home. Is that what you did yesterday, John?
4: Well, it could be. Yeah, if they're any good, I suppose we got to get rid of them. But uh, you know, uh, <laughs> that seems to be their philosophy. I was just kind of happy that uh, the Cubs haven't lost since the All Star break. Uh, <laughs> obviously, they're they're not going to be relevant like come September or something like that, but. Right now, they're getting back to the place where they're at least watchable, and I suppose uh, I'm kind of happy about that. My goal this year is to be above 500, which doesn't sound too lofty, but uh, you know that's what we're going for.
0: Your goal is to wow. Uh, your goal is to not be uh, is to not be below 500. What is at 500 okay? No, I want to be over okay. five hundred. They're like seventeen
4: games below five hundred.
0: Oh, good luck.
4: <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I think I think they can do that by the end of the season. They're not going to be uh, they're not going to be like in the playoffs or anything, but they could be like at least a five hundred or better team. That's what I'm saying
0: by the end of the season. You know, all I know so, is yeah, I think that's possible. Uh, all I know is um, when uh, the season felt over to me. Uh, and I'm not a Cubs fan, but it it felt like the Cubs season ended when everybody was hugging Wilson Contreras at the end because they knew the you know the Cubs weren't gonna weren't gonna do anything this year that he was gonna get dealt, and that it it felt like we had reached the end of September watching that yesterday, and it's kind of hard to see that, but uh, uh, that's kind of what it felt like for your team season, and I, and I apologize for that.
4: Hey, you know what's interesting though is that I was real upset when they. Uh... Got rid of Chris Bryant, but Patrick Wisdom has actually been more productive since they traded Chris Bryant like last year. So I'm kind of like, you know, because how often do you see Chris Bryant on the front page of the headlines now? Like never. But, sure. uh, so, uh, no, I'm just kind of, I get it, but, uh, and by the way, Ian Happ, too, if they're an all star, I think they're, philosoph- like, we got to get rid of them. I'm being sarcastic, but I'm just, you know, uh, but I just kind of, Maybe in a couple of years, they'll be relevant at this year. I'm just, this year, I'm just shooting for being above 500. And it seems like they are coming along a little bit. Keegan Thomas, that pitcher, I really like. I like a couple of their young pitchers. And so at least they're building something. But yeah, they're not going to be in the playoffs this year.
0: Hey, good to hear from you, John. Thank you for calling in. Uh, our number, 808-296-1420. You can uh, text us or call us there. I, I like that. Goals. Finish above 500. Uh, we, we set goals real high. Uh, our goals: hit the out time at the end of the hour. What are we so far? Oh, for one, we've uh, we've already missed one of our goals of the show today. Uh, that's hard, though. And and I should also note something: the Cubs were supposed to be players because they're supposed to get so much money with their television deal with uh, with Sinclair and their new network, their marquee sports network. That they're supposed to be players every year. They're supposed to be able to afford people to to spend money, to win games, all that stuff. Remember that? That was supposed to be the whole goal of having a network is to be competitive, and here they are, and quite frankly, it's been kind of weird to see them uh, not as competitive. Uh, that's unfortunately... That's the Cubs here recently. We'll have the Cubs, by the way, against the Giants on Sunday Night Baseball right here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Sunday at noon, of course, coverage of Giants baseball presented by uh, Midas Hawaii. Uh, I promised college football. We'll get to that coming up on the other side. Oh, look what we started. Look what we started. Last hour, it was the degenerate FCS over FBS pick. Now we're challenging people over Cubs predictions. Thaddeus texts in via the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Says, I've been a Cubs fan for 50 years. It is impossible for them to go 41 and 24 the rest of the season to get to 500. I'd like to put a wager on that with the previous caller, LOL. Remember, we are doing things for entertainment purposes only, and for something like that, I would not recommend that at all. I do, I, I don't believe they will go 41 and 24 the rest of the year, but you you Cubs fans can go hash hash that amongst yourselves because it's not like the Cubs are going to be relevant in September anyway, so... Uh, it, it's like it, it's like when you have the you, you go to a, a big party you've got the adults table and then you've got the kids table it's rare but we're putting the Cubs at the kids table so you can have the conversation there sorry Cubs fans you stay there while the Mets and the Yankees and and, and those teams kind of hang around the uh the adult table you guys figure out whether you can finish 500 or not We've spent a lot of time on college football uh, over the last couple of weeks, being at Mountain West Media Day last week and uh, more media days happening this week. And um, what different conferences want in regards to what the college football playoff should look like in 2025, uh, I saw what the Big Ten commissioner said earlier, and I'll get to him coming up in a little bit. But I like to kind of compare what... The group of five commissioners think. I want. I. I like them being a little more on the record because they're all kind of in a, in a similar boat. Craig Thompson was was you know he brought up the idea that maybe you get rid of the uh, automatic berths, that you have just the best twelve teams, or the best sixteen teams, whatever it is, and they're the ones that go on to the college football playoff, which, if you may recall, I, I I said this the other day, I think it is a bad idea. I don't think you want that if you are a group of five. As much as I am a believer that I don't like to see, like, the handouts given to a group of five, I don't think you want to get rid of auto births. Keith Gill from the Sun Belt earlier today, and by the way, uh ESPN has one of the Sunbelt divisions as the best Group of Five division in the country. And that is the division that you may recall had uh, Coastal Carolina, um, that had Appalachian State, that had uh, Georgia State in there. Uh, ESPN ranked that that division, the East Division of the Sun Belt, the best non-autonomy division in the FBS, and we do kind of forget sometimes that Coastal Carolina was a top fifteen team last year. So um, that you could put along with the American, at least in the last year of the American, as a uh, you know a, a really difficult difficult division I, I and when I say the American uh, the American doesn't really have a division uh, that's just the conference in general so you kind of have to put uh, you kind of have to put them together um it was that's that's why when I saw that I was interested in in what Keith Gill had said because I'm surprised more people haven't taken this approach Uh he said, quote, about a a, a potential for like a 16-team college football playoff, which has been kind of floated around. He said, and I quote, I would be supportive of 16, but it depends on how these things are allocated. I'm less supportive of the 16 best because I do think conference championships should be rewarded. So he says he would support something like eight automatic berths, eight um, at-large births, or – six automatic berths, like six conference champions, and uh, ten at-large berths, et cetera. But not something where it is the best 16 teams are the ones that get into this college football playoff system. And by the way, a lot of the talk, if you think about 2025 television, they want more people involved, not just ESPN. So I think they're kind of holding off on that. ESPN kind of controls all the cards here. The What I'd like to see is these group of five commissioners get on the same page. Um, And not just on a, you know, well, this is what we'd like to see. I want to see the group of five commissioners actually put on a pretty strong front here coming toward 2025. Get together and say what you want. And be pretty firm about what you want. Don't waffle. Don't try to, you know, cave into the, well, I think maybe you'd want... This might be good. This may be maybe not so good for us. But yeah, you know, I I think this could work. You know, don't don't waffle. Like it's not in your best interest to have 16 teams that are all, you know, just the top 16. Because how often will Coastal Carolina be a top 16 team? That is that's not your best interest. Um, and by doing so, you'd have a full-on committee and how often would a, you know, I, I don't I don't know that a committee is going to um, have the best interest of the group of fives at heart. So, between now and 2025, Keith Gill, uh, the Commissioner of the American, Craig Thompson, the Commissioner of the MAC, the Commissioner of Conference USA, all of those commissioners need to get on one conference call, and they all need to get on the same page, and they all need to have some kind of unified message, which is you know, we want in, we want to see the college football playoff expand. I think everybody does at this point. You know, even the big schools are saying we kind of want things to expand, but here's how it's got to, here's what we want to see as the non autonomous group of five. Not. Eh, like this but maybe it needs to be done like this no have some gumption what you need to say is we're good with 16 teams but we need a chance you've got what 10 conferences right now in uh in the football bowl subdivision so i i think you play into that you got 10 conferences You're going to go 16 teams, every conference gets an auto berth, and the rest of the six are at larges. And every group of five should try to be on that bandwagon because it's not just about making sure your voice is heard to try to get what you want, but you're also going to have to counteract what I think is going to be the narrative of the bigger conferences as we get closer to the Big Ten becoming bigger and the SEC becoming bigger and the Big Twelve becoming bigger. And that narrative is, well, we're getting bigger. Um more spots should be going to us. And you know, the the easy response is kind of the exclusion response. Oh, we don't we don't need them. Let's expand to like eight or twelve teams. And if we have these at larges, well, they're probably going to be all with us. We're probably going to gobble them up. And if they want something, well, they can just be happy with the, uh, uh, you know, an, an, an automatic for the best group of five. They can just be happy with that. When in in reality, that's not what you want. And the group of fives need to be the ones that get together and try to make their, you know, their case here in the next couple of years as to what is best for them. Because college football is not on the same page. That's why we didn't have a college football playoff expansion last year because not everybody agreed with it, and it had to be unanimous on the format, so they decided that they weren't going to do it. They were going to table it and wait for a little while for television. But really, you should be saying, give us 16. Give us every conference with a berth. Do it like college basketball. Every conference with an automatic berth. And then, hey, you're going to have eight at-larges. And if they're all from, let's say, um, if if they're all from a a conglomeration of the SEC or the Big Ten or or the Big 12, then it is so be it. They earned it. They earned it. Um, You're probably going to be a one and done at that point. But you know what? It's better than being a, a, a none. And that might work best. So it would behoove Keith Gill. Hey, I, I know you'd like this, but be stronger. Craig Thompson was on a committee. Be stronger. I don't... This is not hard for these group of fives. They just need to do their homework and get with one another and communicate uh, to try to fight for what their needs are in a changing television and competitive landscape. Uh, in college football, sports center coming up in uh, just about ten minutes with uh, Major League Baseball winding down an update on uh, what is going on uh, nationally, which includes Bubba Watson leaving the PGA Tour. Report saying he's going to go off to the uh, to the Live Tour, and uh, coming up next hour, uh, we're going to go to San Francisco. We're going to do that about what five twenty uh, coming up this afternoon. Uh, We'll go to San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo is just, well, he's just kind of hanging around. It's the best way I could put it. He's a Niner. He's just, well, not really a Niner. Uh, We'll we'll talk with Kyle Madsen coming up uh, in about 30 minutes. Uh, By the way... Trade news just coming down here. Um, We were talking about trades. It looks like we got one. Uh, This is according to the Yes Network. The New York Yankees have acquired Andrew Benintendi from the Kansas City Royals. Uh, We don't know the the full details, but Benintendi was who I was just talking about a little while ago. Uh, 321 hitter, three home runs, uh, his first All-Star game this year, but he was the one that kind of had a slip, was it, uh, the other day, when um, he was talking about his trade value. And part of what people worried about with uh, with his trade value was that he was unvaccinated. And as of right now, I mean, in Toronto, you can't go. So when Kansas City... Went to Toronto. They didn't have like ten players, so it was basically a, you know some of the pros, some some of the big league guys, some of the minor league guys that went to Toronto and 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 Kansas City. Really didn't have much of a team. Ben and was one of those guys who was not on that trip, and he kind of had this slip, and he tried to uh, walk it back, but he basically tried to say, oh, um, if I need to get vaccinated in order to be on a playoff contender, then, then so be it. And it, it, it's obviously you're playing for a team already that uh, is not contending. It makes it sound like you could really care less about being in Kansas City Therefore, Kansas City's not going to keep him there and uh Ben who some of the reporting has said the the vaccination status doesn't necessarily matter, uh Ben is indeed going to be gone. So, uh the Yankees will acquire him per uh Yes Networks, Jack Curry, Ben from the Royals to the New York Yankees. That is probably the the big move of the moment just because that's that's your checklist. We were, we were talking about this a little while ago. Um, what the Yankees need. And by the way, the Yankees send Beckway, Chandler Champagne, and TJ Seekman. Basically, um, they are prospects. Uh, and they are pitchers, by the way, that are, uh, that are going back to Kansas City. Aaron Boone has just spoken about it uh, just a moment ago. He says, uh, quote, he's obviously a great player. We'll certainly welcome him and get him assimilated, close quote. This is the, um, the 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 checklist that we were talking about. You need a hitter. Well, they they've got a hitter, and Andrew Benintendi's hitting. You know, as we said, he's hitting over three hundred. Um, you now need, I think, a very solid reliever because that Yankees bullpen is, uh, well, it, it's it's flaky. And as you know, when you get to the postseason and I think we, we get rid of those um, ghost runner rules in, in the postseason and, and they will go to the postseason. But you get to the postseason, um, your bullpen is not going to just be bolstered by the fact that you will take one of your starters and send them down to the bullpen and minimize your rotation. You need a strong seventh, eighth and ninth inning guy and right now the Yankees maybe have, what, one reliever that falls into that category because one of them got hurt. The other is ineffective. And what, Clay Holmes may be your your best possible case, but he wasn't out there in the ninth inning because it wasn't a a save situation. It was a a tie game there in the bottom of the ninth inning. It wasn't him. It was another guy out of the bullpen that blew it. They won't they won't get out of a second round series. And now we were reminded yesterday with Casey Stern. Best team in the AL, best team in the NL. They get buys in the first round. You get healthy, but you also get kind of um rusty. So yeah, this is this is check mark one if Benintendi can stay healthy. They gotta get one uh Giancarlo Stanton back. He's on the injured list. Uh, was just put there yesterday. but now you need a reliever. you probably want another starter just because you can never have too many starters. I think at this point you uh, uh, you want a starter. and if you can accomplish all those things, then you will have had a successful uh, a trade deadline. It's as we said earlier, it is on Brian Cashman to make sure that this team is competitive. Uh, and wins a World Series. This is a um, this is a World Series robust team. By the way, John Heyman on this, uh, the Blue Jays were actually trying to get Andrew Benintendi. So maybe there's a belief that, as Benintendi actually said, if he needs to get vaccinated to be on a playoff team, that he might actually do it. Which is honestly, it's it's kind of a slap in the face uh, to Kansas City. But he's kind of showing where his uh, where his his loyalty's lie. Coming up in uh, about 20 minutes, we'll get to San Francisco. Uh, Kyle is going to join us from uh, Niners Nation, part of USA Today Sports. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, how difficult is it going to be to trade Jimmy Garoppolo now that the Niners have basically said, well, uh, he's here so he definitely won't get fined but he's here he's just he's he's not going to be the quarterback of this team uh he will not have a chance for it uh this is it for him what is uh what does that mean and is the trust in trey lance being placed there too early i will say that i um i i, I you can put me on freezing cold takes if you want i deserve it I was one who said a couple of months ago, I thought that Jimmy Garoppolo would A, be on this team in uh, in in week one. I also said, freezing cold take, Jimmy Garoppolo would start week one. And uh, also freezing cold take, I said I thought he'd start at least half the season. But the San Francisco 49ers are making it clear this is Trey Lance's team. And uh, that there is no room for Jimmy Garoppolo anywhere. So Garoppolo can be around. He doesn't need to be on the field in practice. Uh, doesn't need to work out. There really is, I guess, no, no need for him. Just hang around. Don't get yourself hurt until they can find a trade for you. The only problem with this in, in San Francisco's earth here is this should have been done earlier. And I'm not sure what... Kyle Shanahan and, uh, you know, John Lynch were waiting for if they needed to be convinced just a little bit more that Trey Lance was ready for the job. I mean, it's very clear now that they believe that he is. And uh, I don't have enough to know whether he is or isn't because we haven't seen enough of him to know if he is or isn't ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. All I do know is. They feel pretty comfortable. And, and that's the best we can do at the moment is to to judge two guys. So I, I feel pretty confident that know what they are doing. But if you could have figured this out in May, if you could have figured this out by the draft, how much would that have changed some of the movements here in the last couple of weeks? For example... Uh, the Carolina Panthers go ahead and make a trade to go get Baker mayfield from the uh, from the Cleveland Browns. if Jimmy Garoppolo it is decided upon that Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer the quarterback in San francisco and and they've made it very clear um you know and now they've given the the permission to allow him to go out and um and 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 shop for him you know maybe there's a deal that's out there already. maybe Garoppolo not even there anymore and some of the distraction that comes from this doesn't exist I think there's a very good possibility of that timing is so important especially when you know you've got guys who are basically at this point filler Um, when you've got guys who you need to make sure you get value for it is always the sooner the better you can't wait until two weeks before a preseason game or five or six weeks before your first regular season game of the season. It is, you, You've got to make that decision. You've got to make that commitment now. Uh, and that's my worry. Jimmy Garoppolo is a Niner by name. I would be a, a little bit worried that the Niners actually don't have a trade for him in-house, and by the time you get to week number one, he's either there just because he's there. I don't know if you can really cut him at this point. I don't know that you really want to, but I'm looking across the league. Who wants to make a deal for someone who could very well just be a backup quarterback at this point? I have I have heard uh, people throw out the Seattle Seahawks, for example, uh, with, with Drew Locke there. But if I'm if I'm Pete Carroll, I've probably made my decision at that point. Uh, Drew Locke may be a journeyman quarterback, but why on earth would I ditch him in July for someone else? It's kind of like Carolina's situation, although they seem to make it a little bit more of a competition. Darnold's there, but you're trading for Baker Mayfield, um why are you doing that in July? It's a um it, it's a it's a decision that puts a lot of doubt in your locker room. it put it's a decision that puts a lot of doubt um in your quarterback who may very well likely get benched for a 10th a, a or 11th hour decision. And that's I think what you have. If you want draft picks, you won't get many, you know um or they may not have the kind of value you would love for them to have but you're not going to get a lot out of it uh for someone that has been i think just kind of thrown around the uh the spin cycle of the NFL conversation and his and and his, and the spin cycle of his abilities and whether he deserves to be a starting quarterback so we'll go to San Francisco and not only that um But Debo Samuel's situation, has it gotten better? Uh, Are we at a point where we may see Debo Samuel play week one for San Francisco, that maybe there is the belief that uh, that relationship has gotten a little bit better or is a little bit, uh, uh, you know, is, is is a little more manageable? Text her from the four nine seven. Jimmy G recovering from surgery will not be cleared for contact middle of August at the earliest. There's a reason why there's no takers so far. Um, yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure though if I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, part of why the Niners put that out there is I think they have kind of cleared him. Uh, they have. I think they've given the okay. Hey, go ahead and look for trades. I think they've cleared that he's going to be okay. Um, but obviously, you know, can you ever be sure whether he is ready or not, just because of 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 what he did go through from surgery? Uh, BetOnline.ag, by the way, has the betting favorite for Jimmy Garoppolo's next team as the New York Giants. Uh, which shows for some how little trust they place in Daniel Jones. Uh, Cleveland Browns at number two. Obviously, there's a lot to pay attention to regarding the uh, uh, the fate of Deshaun Watson. We haven't heard anything on that yet. Although, what could make a difference is that Deshaun Watson may not serve a full season suspension uh, based on uh, based on what we're starting to hear. By the way, Garoppolo. Past is physical, so um, he's clear. It's just that the Niners don't want him on the field. They don't. They don't need him on the field. He's not going to be a part of their team. He is a Niner by name, and and that's it. And and that's why. And that, and that's why that has. I hear what you're saying because there's still question marks, but I don't think that's the biggest reason why there's no takers. I mean, one, this is still, I mean, we're we're a couple of days in. Uh, and and B, it's almost August. The first preseason game is next week, Thursday. And we're talking about making these, like, big quarterback decisions and the future of your franchise and, and a potential starter or a number 2 and we're talking about that guy sitting on the Niners roster doing nothing on July 27th. Does that not sound kind of um uh, unfortunate? It does. It's not it's not a good situation to be in. That that's why the timing is so tough. You can text us or Zephyr Insurance Text Line. Thanks to our texter, by the way. Uh, Zephyr Insurance Text Line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. Uh, you can send us your tweets. We are at Sports Animals. You can get to me directly at Josh on the radio. It is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and uh, 1420 AM. So we'll go to San Francisco in uh, in, in just a moment. But there's one other uh, headline from the National Football League that is kind of humming around Pittsburgh, and that is what Ben Roethlisberger had said about uh, the me-type attitude of players. Uh, This came from Roethlisberger in an interview with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And Roethlisberger was talking about just his time with the team and, it was takeaways from it, and and, and he said, um, and I quote, I might be standing on a soapbox a little bit, but, but that's my biggest takeaway from when I started to the end, to turn from a team first to a me-type attitude. It was hard. It's hard for these young guys, too. Social media, they're treated so well in college. Now this new NIL stuff, which is unbelievable. They're treated so special. They're coddled at a young age because college coaches needed them to win, too. I know Heppner never coddled me. Terry Hepner, his coach at, at Miami, Ohio. Neither did Bill Cower, close quote, um, which is funny because he mentions his college coach. He mentions Bill Cower. He doesn't really mention uh, Mike Tomlin when talking about coaches who didn't coddle. which I think has kind of backed my assertions of Mike Tomlin for a while now. Mike Tomlin is someone who cares a lot about the locker room. He is, has a very tough exterior, uh, but I think it's been very clear that Mike Tomlin is a, uh, he's a guy that cares about the locker room and how the locker room feels but doesn't have a great grasp of said locker room and how that locker room feels. So if, if Ben Roethlisberger is kind of leaving them out, uh, you can, you can read into it all you want. I do. Cam Hayward didn't like it saying the comments rubbed him a long way, uh, rubbed them the wrong way saying, and I quote, it looks as though we are looked at as selfish players. And I don't think that's the point. We have a lot of young players that come from different backgrounds have experienced different things from what others or I may have experienced. That doesn't make them selfish or more of a me-type attitude. Uh, there are a lot more first-team guys than me-type attitude. I took offense to that. Um, and he mentioned a bunch of guys, Tyson Alualu being one who was uh, a team-first guy, even though there was was criticism over him. But it's not to say that either is wrong. It's not to say that Ben Roethlisberger isn't right about how uh, the the NFL player has has changed and how locker rooms have changed from when he first started in the league to uh, to to where they are now. Because I think he is right, although I don't think it's for all the reasons that he says. But I do think that he is right. There is there is a lot of me first stuff going on uh, where I think Ben is wrong is that you can care about you you can you can be a me first guy and not be a bad teammate um you can be a me first guy that doesn't mean you don't care about the team it doesn't mean you don't you, know, you don't do what's best for the team there is a stigma in sports about looking out for yourself when in reality everybody does everybody does look out for themselves um because that's why everybody kind of bets on themselves for contracts that's why guys hold out and they're looked at as selfish um that's where I think Ben is wrong and kind of gives it the impression we'll go to the phone line here in a second at 808 and 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 gives the impression that um you know, this whole, the, the me-type attitude comes into play because it, it, it it's not exclusive. You can't either be me-type or team-type. You can be both. And I think a lot of times we want to, like, push people in a corner and we want to label them as one and not the other, but it doesn't have to be that way. And that's, and that's where I, I believe that um, you know, Ben might have been wrong in that. Uh, let's say hi to Kevin at 808-296-1420. Kevin, good afternoon.
5: Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, so, so lifelong Stiller fan, I've been around since the 70s when we you know took four and six and would have been five if Rocky and Franco hadn't gotten hurt in the first round against Miami. But so I, I love Cam and I love Ben. And so unequivocally on this one, I'm on the side of Ben. And the reason I say that is this. Cam can make excuses as far as we all come from different backgrounds and we're all different generations, age-wise, et cetera, different life experiences. I've been in the military for 35 years. That that When it comes to the team, which we're talking about a team, that gets left at the front door for the benefit of the team and the organization. And where Ben is correct in – Cam is exponentially wrong in this situation is Mike Tomlin over the last 10 to 12 years has had a ridiculously undisciplined, despite his national media opinions of him, an undisciplined locker room and an undisciplined team. And if you go back and look at the Steelers over the last eight to 10 years, when it comes to idiotic personal fouls, on the field, or celebration penalties, i.e. William Gay and a bunch of other guys that used to be on the team, or Antonio videotaping in the locker room right before they play the Patriots, I can go on and on, or all the players that have left the Steelers and went to another team and immediately had renewed success, but they wanted out of Pittsburgh, it all comes back to Mike Tomlin. And, And so... I I got what Cam's doing. He's doing the right thing because he's still on the team, and he's essentially the senior leader on the team at this point. He's the de facto captain of the entire team, not just the defense. But Ben is absolutely right about the utter me, me, me selfishness and the lack of discipline overall that Mike Tomlin has instituted and allowed to fester for the last 10, 12 years. And that's why the team that has, had a much more talented roster most of the time in the playoffs the last 10, 12 years, has for the, large, for the most part highly underperformed, and they haven't won a playoff game in how many years. It all comes back to Mike Thomas.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, Kevin, first off, thank you for your service. Second, thank you for calling in. I appreciate you listening. Um, I still believe that you can be both, that you can be both me type and team type that it is not mutually – it it is not exclusive. But you're right. Um, And I I did kind of understate it, honestly, uh, thinking back to Mike Tomlin. I I was a little understated on Mike Tomlin's impact. But Mike Tomlin has been too much of a player's coach. He's let a lot go. And – Despite, I think, the tough exterior that he gives, the impression that he has everything under control, look at what you are judged by, wins and losses in particular, and you'll see that he hasn't entirely had things under control. He is a long-serving head coach because I think he is, you know, the, the national narrative is that he is well-respected. Sure. And, I, and I'm and i sure that that is true to a large degree. Look beyond that and just look inside the locker room and you'll see exactly what, what Kevin's talking about. He's absolutely right. The, the bummer for Cam Hayward is that he had to feel the need to defend it. And... Before he, before anybody goes there, because I know that there is someone that is chomping at the bit to want to say this. Well, Cam had to say something. I'm sure someone asked Cam Hayward what he thought about Ben Roethlisberger's comments. Um, This was his own podcast. So it's not like he went on someone's radio show and, uh, you know... Had to answer the question and had to answer it on the fly. This was his own podcast. This was his own decision to bring it up, to talk about it, to cite the Antonio Browns, to cite the Juju Smith-Schusters. Um, he did that on his own. So there are no excuses to be made for Cam Hayward, except he chose to do it. He chose to to believe that he needed to back up his team and um, without saying it, his coach. The thing is, it just didn't do him any favors in in doing so. You don't believe it. Look, um, one thing about Ben, and there are a lot of detractors for Ben Roethlisberger for good reason. There are a lot of detractors of him. Um, The best thing to do, leader or no leader currently, best thing to do would have been just to let it go and let the comments die down and keep the focus on what's in front of you, not in looking back and not in having to be defensive. And by the way, on the field, this could be a a, a Pittsburgh Steelers team that gets exposed this year with no Ben Roethlisberger. This will be one of the biggest tests of Mike Tomlin's team if they can remain competitive, um, seeing what they look like offensively. It'll be one of the best things to watch uh, here in 2022. We'll go to San Francisco coming up next. Let's go to San Francisco, shall we, uh, as the Bay Area pays attention to what's going on to the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, our sister station, CBS 1500, is the home of the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Kyle Manson joining us from 95.7 The Game and also uh, uh, Niners Wire on USA Today Sports. Kyle with us now here on ESPN Honolulu. Clear this up for me first before we really go deep into to the, to the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. He's been cleared, right? The, the the team has cleared him, but being cleared means exactly what?
6: Uh, yeah, so he was cleared by an independent doctor, and it's great to be with you guys. Can you guys hear me okay? I hear Among you, yeah. AirPods? Okay, great. Okay, perfect. Um. So he was cleared by an independent doctor. He showed up to the 49ers facility on Tuesday for his physical. He was then cleared by 49ers team doctors. So what that means is it, – it, Guarantee at a seven and a half million dollar injury guarantee in his contract is is void now. So, if the 49ers choose to release him right now, it would cost them $1.4 million instead of seven and a half million. And there was some offset language in the deal that could have could have dropped that number a little bit, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. So, if they if they cut him now, it costs them $1.4 million. It basically opens that door uh, because if they, if, if they, I don't they, they want to release him, but they may not have a choice. They were definitely not gonna do it if they owed him the seven and a half mil. Now they don't, and that's really what what matters. He still can't make all the throws. If there was a game tomorrow, he wouldn't be able to play in it. He's still going through his program. But he's on he's on the right track and if the 49ers want to trade him, he'll pass the physical and be good to go. And if they want to release him, they don't owe him that seven and a half million dollar injury guarantee.
0: Well, of those options, what do you think is the most likely? That they wait for a trade or they end up releasing them?
6: I think think a little bit of both. I think they're going to wait a couple of days and see if some sort of trade market materializes. Maybe they give it to Monday to see if the Deshaun Watson suspension comes down to see if that interests Cleveland at all. And then... After that, they've made it very clear that they're cool with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is cool with them. The relationship is good. It would screw Jimmy Garoppolo if they held on to him for all of training camp, all of the preseason, and then cut him at the end of the preseason because they're done with him. He's not not practicing at all. He hasn't talked to the quarterback's coach. He hasn't been at the facility all offseason. Today he got in early to do his throwing program and then was in the weight room for practice. He's not. He's done with the team, so they're not going to keep him. So if they hold on to him, the longer they hold on to him, the less time he has to go catch on with a team and either try and compete for a starting job or to lock up a backup job that he can you know, use to springboard into a starting job later in this year or, or a starting job next year. I don't think they want to do that to him. So I'm guessing that they're going to release him at some point in the next three, four, five days because they want to give him that opportunity to catch on elsewhere. And I just don't see a trick it's developing for him at this point. All
0: right. You you are an author. Uh, so I'll ask you to to write the final chapter on uh, uh, on Jimmy Garoppolo and and his time in San Francisco. As we ultimately finish writing that book, what would it ultimately read about him?
6: I think that Jimmy Garoppolo will eventually go down as a good 49er because when you consider what this team was when he arrived in 2017, they were 1-10. in 10. I think when he debuted against the Seahawks for the last couple snaps after C.J. Beathard got hurt, um, he, he plays a couple of snaps in that in that in that game against the Seahawks. and it Comes in, starts moving forward. They go five and zero, and they finish the year six and ten. He gets hurt in 2018, comes back, helps him get to the Super Bowl in 2019. And I know it, the narrative on him has gotten shifted a little bit, but I think history is going to remember. That the final ten games of that 2019 season, he was awesome. Like, he was genuinely terrific. And then you know, he gets hurt in 2020, and then 2021, they go to the NFC title game, and I think that Week 18 game in LA, where he brought him back against the Rams, will kind of go down in 49ers history as a as an all time performance. Well, Along with this Week 17 game in 2019, he was awesome in Seattle that year as well. He didn't throw any touchdowns. I think he was like 18 of 22 for 230 or something like that. He was he was good. He was really really good. So I, I, I just, I think he's going to go down as a good 49er. I think once people stop stressing out over him throwing fastballs into the middle of a linebacker's chest, I, I think that people will remember him a little bit more fondly. And the other thing is, is if Trey Lance is good, which that, you know, jury's still out, but if Trey Lance is good, Jimmy is going to get some credit for that because his willingness to be the lame duck starter last year and to work with Trey Lance and to have a good relationship with a rookie quarterback who was brought in to take his job, that could be massive for for Lance's development. And I think if Lance winds up being good, especially if he hits the ground running this year, I think there's a lot of people that are going to point to Jimmy and go, "Man, he he made this happen." Trey wouldn't have been ready last year. He helped get Trey ready, and and I don't think that that's something like that that's going to about his legacy a lot. So ultimately. Uh, a little bit of a rocky career, but a, but a good 49er nonetheless.
0: Kyle Madsen with us, 95, seven, the game. Also the Niners wire from USA today sports. Um, How did we get to the point that they felt this confident with, uh, with Trey Lance? I can remember all the rumors previously. Trey Lance isn't ready. There's concern about his readiness. How did we get here? Uh, Is it by necessity or is it by true belief that they, they know that Trey Lance is the guy?
6: But they they know Trey Lance is the guy. At least they hope they know, right? At some point he has to play, and that's why there, there were there were people nationally talking about how Jimmy Garoppolo gives the Forty ers a better chance to win the Super Bowl this year or right away. And like maybe I think today Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Trey Lance, but by week ten they, that may not be the case. Play so, though. And I think another year off wouldn't have done him any good. And the 49ers are looking at this like they made this big investment. This is not about 2022. Is their Super Bowl window open? For, like, for sure. They they could they could absolutely go win a Super Bowl this year, and I don't think anybody would be super shocked. But on the other hand, if Trey a little bit out the gate this year, and they get behind the eight ball, and they don't make the playoffs, but he's really good at the end of the year, and goes into next year as this ascending superstar 22-year-old quarterback, that's what the Niners want. So play games he has to get the reps Kyle Shanahan said it in a in a in a podcast on the athletic he said he has to start banking practice reps he has to start banking game reps and that's what they're that's what they're going to do and he was going to struggle whether that happened in 2022 or 2023 so you got to get that clock started or it defeats the whole purpose of having a quarterback on a rookie deal and and building a around him on the cheap so I I think they're they're making the move they feel is right and again is Trey Lance good uh, who, who knows? Jury's still out, but he, he had to go.
0: Lastly, uh, where where do things stand right now with Debo Samuel? It it seemed like it was uh, it was not in a good place several months ago. Where is it now?
6: It's a much better place. Whether it's a great place or not, I, I couldn't tell you. I'm not in the meeting rooms when they're when they're negotiating the deal. Would so be super cool. Um, I I think that just all these little things that have happened, and this sounds insignificant, right? Because his Instagram. But Debo Samuel re-following the 49ers on Instagram and reposting a thing Brandon you put up about how him and Debo are going to be the best returning receiver duo and him reposting that. And then him showing up for OTAs and, and yucking it up with teammates and standing on the side with a play sheet, not participating, but still being there. He showed up for camp. He's doing the hold in thing. This is an amicable relationship, I think. And there's, there's, Holdups in the contract, whether it's length of deal or money or his role or whatever it is, it sounds like those holdups are being worked out. The 49ers need him. He's going to get paid. I think he knows he's going to get paid, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if that if that deal gets done here in the next in the next you know three four days. Now that they've really had a chance to sit down and and hammer out the the minute details of that deal.
0: Kyle Madson, ninety five seven, the game. Also, the Niners Wire on USA Today Sports. Kyle, good to chat with you. Thank you so much.
6: Yeah, I appreciate
0: it. All right, Kyle and all of our guests appear courtesy of our hotline here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. It it was so important that some of those big things really get ironed out. And while, yes, uh, Jimmy G is still there, and uh, and that is something that does need to be uh, taken care of, while he is still there, uh, that's not fully ironed out. They at least it it seems like they do have the direction now uh, that they know that they're going. Debo is uh, is is the next one, and and figuring that out is super important. Uh, they really need him uh, week one, and and they need to be in a good place with him. So uh, that was important, and it looks like they're uh, they're they're moving their way in that direction. Of course, we've got Niners football on our sister station, CBS 1500, every preseason game. Uh, not only that, but uh, every regular season game, and we'll see how far uh, we'll see how far they can take things uh, on the run to the Super Bowl next year. Hey, want to tell you about uh, DB Grill? Uh, they've got some great food. We've been there. We've we've taken the show there before, and uh, some of they're, they're not just. Favorites, but they're, uh, they're unique favorites as well. The kimchi fries, the fried nudes, the ginger ginger pork, the lupchang fried rice, and uh, so much more. Enjoy their craft soju, get a beer bucket, uh, have a good time. It's at uh, DB Grill. Their unique flavors using seasonal ingredients and contemporary techniques. Open Fridays and Saturdays till 2 a.m. Uh, DB Grill. Visit them online, dbgrillhi.com. Trades have become a big topic this afternoon, not just in the National Football League, but in Major League Baseball. The Yankees have made one. Andrew Benintendi will be a Yankee. Oh, uh, Yankees. They play the Royals for a series starting tomorrow. I guess Andrew Benintendi doesn't have to go far. He was going to see the Yankees anyway. But one guy may see his trade value diminish quite a bit, and it's unfortunate that coming up... Final thought coming up in a moment... It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Thanks to Kyle Madsen uh, for joining us. M. Dyer scoreboard's coming up in uh, just a couple of moments too. We're talking about trades. You heard Keegan mention, first reported by the YES Network, that uh, Andrew Benintendi is going to become a New York Yankee. Um, One baseball trade that was appetizing, May not be appetizing now. Uh, I go back to a conversation we had with Casey Stern yesterday. Um, We've talked about the Los Angeles Angels. They are awful. The Angels are bad. And um, we've heard people try to put out feelers on whether uh, Shohei Ohtani could get moved. And and Casey Stern brought up yesterday, if there is any of those two players on the Angels team, uh, those two great players on that team that could get traded, it, it it would be Mike Trout, not Shohei Otani. Well, the Angels, by the way, win today four to nothing over the Kansas City Royals. Uh, and uh, we didn't see uh, uh, we didn't see Mike Trout in the game. We didn't see Shohei. He drove in a run. But what we found out today about Mike Trout may have killed any idea of a Mike Trout trade, or at the very least, has severely knocked down. Mike Trout's value and that is uh what is unfortunately being called a, some a rare condition that impacts his back and we first learned about it from the head trainer there in with the angels who had revealed that rare spinal condition Mike Frostad said and I quote this is a pretty rare condition that he has right now on his back. The doctor, who is one of the most well-known spine surgeons in the country, if not the world, doesn't see a lot of these. And then he said, And for it to happen in a baseball player, we just have to take into consideration what he puts himself through. There are so many things that can aggravate it, but this doctor hasn't seen a lot of it. Close quote. It gave the impression that Mike Trout's in a pretty pretty big career spot at the moment. I um, uh, I think of of back issues, and I and I keep thinking Clayton Kershaw, but Clayton Kershaw's bounced back from that. But we never heard it with Clayton Kershaw as a uh, condition. We had just kind of heard of it as just kind of something he had been dealing with. But the the word condition, I don't think had ever really come up. We're talking about an everyday player who is in center field, who has a lot of power on his swing, very good defensive outfielder, has good speed. We're talking about someone that has a lot of tools in his proverbial bag that this would almost suggest that Mike Trout's ability to be that best in the game player, um, could get severely hampered very soon. Uh, if it's not all if it's not something he's already dealing with already. And the thought that someone just three years ago, uh, Mike Trout signed the law signed signed a deal that what, four hundred twenty six and a half million dollars at that time when he signed it in twenty nineteen, it was the largest contract for a professional athlete in sports that he is locked into LA through 2030 he's going to make 35.4 million dollars a year until he's what 38 39 years old he's got a no trade clause there are no opt outs um there are, there are some things in here that are very um team favorable including again the full no trade clause and now just consider that he is almost looked at as someone with the contract that he has. Do you want to trade for someone with a rare condition in his back who may not truly be a an everyday player? Do you want that for $35.45 million? And might I add, at the age of 30, which is... Amazing. Now, I feel bad for Mike Trout in a way because the news didn't come from him. And if there's anything that I think is a a big bummer about how things played out today is that Mike Trout had to be on the defensive. The news came down from the trainer. Trout heard about it because people were texting him and asking if his career was over. And he's like, well, no, my career's not over. I still got, I'm I'm 30. My career's not done. He is still widely considered one of the best in the game. And he's basically just trying to say, hey, I I just, I can manage it. I am managing it. I'm fine. Um, The trainer is just trying to say that I've got a lot to work through, but my career is not over. But if you're a major league team, if you were thinking here sometime in the next couple of years, if you could break him free out of a no-trade clause that, hey, um, you know, Mike Trout could be an interesting part of our team, that I think you think twice about it now. And it's almost another reminder that Mike Trout's on a team that he's one of the worst in baseball. Yeah, he's not been 100% healthy, But he's been there, and they've accomplished what with him there? And now with this news, if you made a move for him, if you could, if you could break out of that no-trade clause, do you think that he could make a difference on your team and get your team to the postseason? And uh, I would think you'd question that after seeing that today because you take every little piece of information and then you stack that up against that $35.45 million contract and you ask yourself, is it worth it? And, uh, crazy to say, I don't think it is. You know, it's a really good idea. Right before the host of the radio show says, hey, final thought coming up in a moment. To distract said radio host by giving him a uh, sports trivia question he can't answer. To the point where now that final thought is pretty irrelevant, because now my head is entirely trying to figure out what the answer is to the question that I don't know. (laughs) If you're wondering, tune into the Sports Cards and Collectibles radio show, because this is the way they get cheap plugs for the 6 to 7 p.m. hour. Stump the previous host, throw him off his game for the final five minutes of the show. I'm, I'm, I'm messing with him good fun I am I I am a little bothered because I don't know the answer to the trivia question Um, but there is a trivia question that is coming up on the show if you want to win some stuff and I will I will throw you I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw the audience a bone here if they want to win I can't throw them much of one because I don't know the answer to the question thanks guys I'll give you two keywords baseball and success let that be your guide uh when they want you to to call in and try to win something coming up over the next hour of the radio show thank you to kyle madsen for uh, joining us earlier today from the uh from the niners wire uh you heard Iran ron Gannad a little earlier on uh tomorrow by the way with chris hart and gary dickman in the morning on ESPN Honolulu, filling in on the Bobby Curran show. Amongst the guests, uh, Braylon Akana, uh Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. Braylon Akana is going to be on the show. Uh, we'll have Riley Wagner, by the way, on Friday. Uh, volleyball season tickets uh, coming out. And uh, college football continues to be one of the big things, uh, big themes here as uh, conference media days continue. Pac 12s happening, Big 10s happening. Uh, so Ben Kerchival from CBS will be on uh, an hour number one of the radio show. So listen in tomorrow from six to nine here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Canole he had some bites earlier. You might have missed it. I think we were going to try to play him earlier. We didn't. We didn't didn't get a chance to. But he had a a, a couple of of bites earlier. And if you want to check it out uh, on, I don't think we have enough time, do we? Uh, probably not. Um, but he had. Amongst some of the uh, some of the guys he talked to during camp, oh, we can use that one. Uh, he had Joey Yelland, the uh, one of the transfers. Um, let's play two uh, as our final thought today brings us back to where we started on UH football. Joey Yellen talking to Canole here earlier, uh, talking about the the competition for the starting job at QB. I
7: mean, I'm confident. Uh, you know, I think if you asked any quarterback here, they should say that. Like. If you're not, you know, what are, what are you doing? So I think you got to be confident. you got to feel like you're the right guy for the job. I think everyone should feel that way.
1: Well, how do you feel about what you put on display here? Just day one, obviously.
7: Uh, it's day one. Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, there's always going to be room for improvement, especially, uh, you know, on the first day. Um, but I, I thought we had a lot of young guys around. I'm new. So it, it was a lot of just new things for everybody. And I think that kind of showed maybe at, at some parts, but... I thought it was a good first day, and I I think we're gonna. I think we're headed in the right direction.
4: Without getting too granular, there was one throw you sort of dropped the arm angle a little bit of that sort of side pocket delivery. That's something in in your bag.
7: Uh, we'll we'll see. I I like I like doing that for the RPOs a little bit. (laughs) I don't wanna. I I like to think I can do it. I don't wanna make maybe too much of a (laughs) habit of it. But uh, when it's there, you know, to make that play, it, it definitely feels cool.
0: Uh, that was Yellen, Yellen uh, earlier with uh, Kanoa Leahy at uh, fall practice day one today. My final thought brings us back there because the quarterback competition is going to be oh so tasty uh, as we get to that Vanderbilt game. Just because, as we all know, um, whose, whose job is it? Is it Braden Shagers to win? Maybe that's not fair. He was a freshman last year. He's one of the few guys with experience coming back from last year. Um, I want to credit our guy, Alan Hoshida from khon too. and he was asked earlier this morning, you know, who are, you know, a guy or two to watch, and, and Shager's name was was mentioned. He is, um, despite what his grade level says he is, he is the quote-unquote veteran, and there is more pressure on him than anybody else. Not Yellen, not even in, in Camp, Camp Cooper. There is pressure on him to earn that job. And while today is day one and you don't learn anything from day one, uh, you look to see trends and tones from here on out. And the only trend I see, that position is going to be well-watched here over the next month.